I want to consider it a great privilege and an opportunity to be part of the seventh International Missions and Ministers Conference. I want to bless the name of the Lord for the opportunity. And I want to congratulate Reverend Dr. Osare Mokpai and his amiable wife for this initiative, which has been on for the seventh year. I also like to appreciate some of our fathers who are part of this event, actually part of the facilitators of this event. Our Reverend Dr. Richard Oloidi and Mommy of Riverdale Church. I also like to appreciate our former general overseer, Reverend Dr. Wiss Mbadejo, who is also part of the facilitating team for this event. The Lord bless you all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. By the special grace of God, I've been asked to minister on the topic, Command for Worldwide Evangelism, otherwise known as the Great Commission. Command for Worldwide Evangelism, otherwise known as the Great Commission. In Matthew chapter 28, verse 19 to 20, the Bible says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things, whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. In Acts chapter 1 verse 8, the Bible says, But ye shall receive power, after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, and in all Judea, and in Samaria, and unto the uttermost part of the earth. And finally, in Mark chapter 16, verse 15, the Bible says, Go ye. And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. I want us to pray. Father in heaven, we thank you. We bless your name for the privilege to hear your word today. We give you praise for the success of this conference, which you have used your people to put together in order to challenge us to the call for evangelism and missions on a worldwide scale so that we can hasten your return. Father, we ask that as you share your word, you will encourage us, you will motivate us that we shall not be hearers of your word only, but we shall be doers of sin. Thank you because you have heard our prayers. For in Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen. God, our maker and creator of heaven and earth, does not recognize or ignores national boundaries, which are largely political. Hence, the command go ye into all the world. Just by way of reminder, 
I'm speaking on the command for worldwide evangelism and missions, otherwise known as the Great Commission. So God ignores national boundaries because they are largely political. That's why he said, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Now, as far as God is concerned, the world is our constituency. And soul winning is one big business of the church upon the earth with the ultimate aim of worldwide evangelism. That was a declaration of the founder of the Foursquare Gospel Church, Emmy Simple McPherson. The aim of the Christian church is to propagate itself all over the world. And that is what the Great Commission is all about. The Great Commission says us to preach the gospel to the whole world. But what of radio, TV, cable, social media? That's the question some people will ask us. That why are we saying that we are delaying the return of the king? That after all, the gospel has gone on radio, it has gone on television, it has gone on social media. So by now, everybody will have heard. But that's not true. Because for you to get reception, you need to put in place some facilities. You need technology, you need, you need airwave, you need all kinds of things, which some people who are in the very remote part of the world do not have access to. Moreover, most of the gospel messages on airwaves are done in English language. There are people who are in rural settings who do not understand English. So whether you like it or not, the command go will still have to be fulfilled if the whole world is going to hear the gospel. We must go. There is no alternative to going. Thank God for social media. Thank God for radio. Thank God for television. But until we go, it's, it's not likely that we're going to fulfill the ultimate aim of the Lord Jesus Christ when he gave that command go. We shall be looking at the missions in the Old Testament. By the grace of God, we shall look at the mandate, a command. And then we shall look at, finally, the motivation of reaching the origin in the world. And finally, the, the, means, the means of reaching them. Let's start by looking at, the, at missions in the Old Testament. Anybody can say that the first mention of mission is in Matthew and Mark and Luke when Jesus actually gave the command or in the book of Acts. That would be erroneous. That would not be totally correct because God is a God of missions. God is a God of missions. So mission did not come up first with the Great Commission as we found it in Matthew 28. There were several calls for missions in the Old Testament. The most compelling of which is found in Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 14. For the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord, even as the waters cover the sea. That is mission. That the whole earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord, as the waters cover the sea. That's a call for mission in the Old Testament. Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 14. In the Old Testament from Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, we are told that the whole world belongs to God. Because what we are told in Genesis 1 is that in the beginning, God. So God is the God of the whole world. God has been in charge of the whole earth. So that by the time we get to Genesis chapter 3 verse 15, we were told, And I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. This is the promise of the redemption of the whole world. Coming early in the book of Genesis. 
And if you look at it, that promise, that redemption promise it has, that came up as early as Genesis 3.15, ran through the whole Bible. In fact, by the time we go to Genesis chapter 12, verse 3b, the Bible says, And indeed, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. God was talking to Abraham. He said, All the families of the earth shall be blessed in Abraham. Indeed, the families of the earth is being blessed through the descendants of Abraham. This promise was fulfilled in Revelation chapter 7, verse 9. After this, I beheld, and lo, a great multitude which no man could number. Of all nations and kindreds and people and tongues stood before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes and what's in their hands, their palms in their hands. The, the, the issue here is that there was a great multitude that no man could number of all nations, all kindreds, all people, all tongues. That's to say the whole world were represented. That is the ultimate, that is God's ultimate aim. That's God's ultimate goal. That at the end of the day, the whole world will be saved. That's why the Bible says in John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So mission has always been there, even in the Old Testament. Throughout the Old Testament, God was calling people to be involved in the world mission and evangelism. Talk of Abraham. He was called out of his family, out of his kingdom. God said, to a land that I will show you. And God said, in you and through your family, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. What of Moses, who was sent on a mission to deliver God's people from the house of bondage in Egypt? What of Joshua and even Jonah? Jonah was basically sent to a city as a missionary. So God is a God of missions, and he has been in the business of missions since the Old Testament. However, when Jesus was about to leave the world, he gave specific command. In fact, we have come to know it as the Great Commission. And that takes me to looking at my second point, talking about the mandate, which is a command. As we read it in Matthew 28, 19 to 20, Mark 16, 15, and Acts 1, 8. From those scriptures, which I can read again, Mark 28, 19 to 20, say, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. And Mark 16, 15. Repeated the same thing by asking us, he said, and he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. So the focus is all the world. And in Acts 1 8, Jesus at his departure said, But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you, and you shall be witness unto me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. So the focus, the mandate is specific. Go ye into all the world. No political boundaries, no ethnic, ethnic differences. God is giving a command. Jesus retreated that command in that scripture that we have read. From the above, the Great Commission is a command and not a cancel. The command is to go. It has no boundary. Teaching all nations. That was the instruction. We must go 
ignoring national boundaries. Teaching all nations. Nations here refers to tribes and tongues and ethnic diversities across continents. The Great Commission, as stated in Matthew 28, is not in itself just the end of the Gospel of Matthew, but its climax and its goal. Where, where Jesus was about to leave was when he declared the Great Commission. And in actual fact, when he was going to say to the apostles in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, he broke it down. He said, ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem and Judea. That was in the short term. In Samaria, that's in the medium term. And unto the uttermost part of the earth in the long term. However, you will remember that the apostles almost settled in Jerusalem and Judea. And God had to steer up persecution to get Philip to lead the way going to Samaria, to take them into the middle town. I pray that that will not be our Lord that will be compared to move out. I've seen it happen a lot of times when churches become too comfortable, when they become too relaxed, and they continue to enjoy worship, forgetting that the primary goal of the church is to reach out. God will steer up something to get them to go. Thank God for the first square church in Nigeria. We have been going and we continue to go. We started by going within the southwest where we started. And then we moved on with the barley harvest that took us to the middle belt part of Nigeria. And then we move on to the decade of multiplication that took us to every state in Nigeria. Now we are in the decade of swearing, trying to reach out to the next generation. So the command and the mandate is to go. And we must go. Austin Taylor, a frontline missionary, said the Great Commission is not an option for consideration. It is a command to be obeyed. John Zamalt, another missionary, said, we are here on earth for one reason, just one reason, to obey the Great Commission, to see that every tongue, every tribe and nation has a witness of who Jesus is. That's why we are here. That is the only reason for the church's existence. Sadly, over 50% of churchgoers in a place like the U.S. are oblivious of what the Great Commission is all about. In fact, some of them have never heard about it. According to George Banner, a research body, happily, Apostle Paul announced very proudly that he was an apostle to the Gentiles outside the Jewish tribe. That is comforting. The apostles were giving clear command not to remain in Jerusalem. According to Acts 1.8, Jesus spelled it out for them. You shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem and Judea in the short term. You shall be witnesses unto me in Samaria in the medium term. And you shall be witnesses unto me unto the uttermost part of the earth in the long term. So as far as God is concerned, until we reach out to the uttermost part of the earth, we have not fulfilled the mandate of the Great Commission. I'm going to look at the third area of interest, which is the motivation of reaching the unreached. What should be our motivation? Why, why is it so necessary now that we must set out 
and read the unreached. Looking back, we may feel we have done a bit. We have done so much. But the truth is, there's still many more lands to be possessed. There's still a lot to be done. There's a lot to be done which God is expecting us to step out, step into the field, and make sure that we carry it out. And I pray that the God of heaven and earth is going to help us to step out and be obedient to the Great Commission. Looking at the command of Jesus and where we are in the fulfillment of the Great Commission should be enough motivation for us. Why? Because in Matthew chapter 24, verse 14, we're told, And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. The first square message says Jesus is the Savior. Jesus is the baptizer with the Holy Ghost. Jesus is the healer. And Jesus is the soon coming king. It's something we say often and often, indicating that we're expecting Jesus to come very soon. That's why we put it, the soon coming king. But the truth is, this scripture is staring us in the face to tell us that there is something to be done if indeed we expect Jesus to come. If indeed we expect the king to come, there is a part we need to pay, play. There is a role that has been assigned to us for the coming of the king. According to Matthew 24, verse 14, he said, And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations. So until the gospel is preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, he said, And then shall the end come. So until that happens, Jesus is not going to come. Until that happens, of course, if you look at the book of Matthew chapter 24, all the other signs, all the other signs have been fulfilled. Virtually all. Wars and rumors of war, nation rising against nation, famine, every one of them have been completely fulfilled. The only outstanding one is the Great Commission, which says, until the gospel of the kingdom is preached in all the world, for a witness unto all nations, the end will not come. So it is in our hands. It is in our hands. We are the one withholding the king from coming. We are the one delaying the king from coming. We are the one not allowing the king to come. Even as we keep saying, Jesus, the soon coming king, I pray that we will accelerate our input into the fulfillment of the Great Commission. We shall accelerate our obedience to the Great Commission, so that the, the, we can actually bring back the coming of the King. The Lord will help us in the name of Jesus. The gospel ought to be preached in all the world as a witness to all nations before the return of the King. Missiologist Louis Bush, many, many years ago, identified the 1040 window as a, as a place that has to toss of the world population, about 4.4 billion out of the over 7 billion population of the world, lived in the 1040 window. This was identified by these missiologists. And out of this two-thirds of the world population, which is estimated at 4.8 billion, in actual fact, within this 1040 window world, you also have 8 out of the 10 poorest people in the world. 
So it's actually a place that needs the gospel. It also has 55 least evangelized nations of the world, with 97% of these 55 nations of the world unevangelized living within the 1040 window. Some of these countries, you can easily mention them. The half, half of the Northern Africa, the Middle East nations, and of course, part of Asia and China. In actual fact, the two largest countries in the world, in terms of population, are seated within the 1040 window. And which are these two nations? They are China with a population of 1.43 billion, and India with a population of 1.38 billion. In these nations, the gospel hardly has reached anywhere. In fact, majority of the world's Muslims, Hindus, and Buddhists live within the 1040 window. By the grace of God, the church is doing a lot to take the gospel to these places. In actual fact, 50% of languages in the world have at least a portion of the Bible to read. That's 3,350 out of the 6,500 languages that we have in the world. Jim Montgomery said, we need at least 7 million more churches in the world for us to be able to reach everywhere, making sure everyone has a church within their trekking distance. We need to do more with only 0.5% of resources of our resources are currently going to unchurched people, going to unrich people. Only 0.5% of the church resources. 5% of our resources goes to people who are already evangelized. Why wait and hear this? 94.5% of our resources are spent on those who are already Christians. With, with statistics like this, we still have a long way to go in fulfilling the mandate of the Great Commission. In actual fact, in a place like North Africa, there's a ratio of about one missionary to two million people. This is abysmally low. With this kind of statistics, we are delaying the return of the king. And we need to work harder so that the return of the king will not be any longer delayed. One of the places that we can see that we need to face is actually the 1040 window. We have quite a number of the population of the world, two-thirds of the world population reside, and yet they are the least reached with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. I pray that the Lord will add speed to our journey. In the, in the move to fulfill the Great Commission so that we can accelerate the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'll go to my final point, which has to do with the means of reaching the unreached. If we must fulfill the Great Commission, then we must, of a necessity, fashion out our strategy of how we are going to reach them those who are yet to be reached with the gospel, particularly those who are in the unreached parts of the world. There must be a strategy for reaching them. And I've identified about three. The first one, of course, is the popular one that I know in his book, Church Planting for Greater Harvest. The great, the great church growth expert, 
Peter Wagner already asserted in that book that the evangelist strategy on earth that can bring the most effective and great, the most effective evangelistic strategy on earth is saturation church planting. That was his assertion in that his book. As a means of reaching the unsaved and fulfilling the Great Commission, Peter Wagner and other missiologists have suggested that we need at least 7 million more churches to be planted so that we can have a church within the reach of everyone. We must never be weary in well-doing. I know a lot of churches have been planted, and I know many more churches have been planted. I know, particularly in our nation, Nigeria, a lot of things have gone into church planting, and is still going into church planting. However, by current statistics, we still require not less than 7 million churches to be planted all over the world before we can talk of reaching uh, or fulfilling the, the, the mandate. And Galatians 6, 9 said, Let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap it if we fail not. We must never faint. We must never faint in pursuing the goal of the Great Commission. We should obey the Great Commission command by also some other strategies that we can use. One of the other strategies we can use is to aim at reaching the unreached people. Like we pointed out, the 1040 window, for example, we must target them. There must be intentionality. We must be purposeful. We must be intentional about reaching these people. And how do we reach them? Some of them have all kinds of barriers that have been put among them. But what we can do, trusting God, is that with intensive prayers and with the power of the Holy Spirit, we can aim at reaching people's group. In such places, it might be difficult to just go straight for church planting. But we can adopt the method of reaching people's group. So that in each of the people's group that we have, we have people who can penetrate them. And then those people who penetrated them can be used as instruments in the hand of God to be able to reach their own people that are yet to be reached. Of course, breaking it down of the means of reaching the unreached, of the means of fulfilling the Great Commission, the head of Moody Bible Institute, Are Tore, has said that the man or woman at home who prays often has a lot to do with the effectiveness and result of the missionary in the field. So it's not just that we should raise missionary to go. There are other things that can be done in support of the missionaries in the field so that they can be much more effective and they can get more results. What are they? Are Tore identifies six things that can be done. Number one, he said giving encouragement and emotional support. Everything does not boil down to money. He said, giving encouragement and uh, emotional support to missionaries in the field. We can call them on WhatsApp. We can call them on Zoom. We can have face-to-face -face meeting with them through the social media and give words of encouragement. That goes a long way. In fact, I mean, you cannot quantify the results of, you know, when you have motivated somebody through encouraging words. You cannot use money to buy encouraging words. So that's the first thing he identified, that all of us cannot go 
And where all of us cannot go, those of us who are at home, we can be as effective as those in the field by encouraging them, by speaking words of encouragement to them, by supporting them in, in, in words of encouragement, in words of comfort, in words of support. Number two, he said we can mobilize people around us. We can mobilize racing mission teams who can then also serve as support in addition to ourselves. What he's saying is that instead of just doing it as individuals, we can do it as a group, we can do it as a team, and then we know that our job is to provide support. Number three, he also talked about not just giving encouragement, we can also give financial resources. We can give financial support to these missionaries in the field, we give financial support for the purpose of fulfilling the Great Commission give financial support to church planting, give financial support to the work of the ministry. That is one other way by which we can accelerate the return of the king. He also talked about groaning. You can raise intercessory team to pray, to pray for those in the field, pray for the advancement of the kingdom of God here on earth. After all, the Lord Jesus, ever before he even mentioned the Great Commission in Matthew 28, he already admonished while he was teaching the disciples the Lord's Prayer, he said, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So the Great Commission is meant to establish the kingdom here on earth. And one of the fastest ways of establishing the kingdom here on earth is through prayers, intensive prayers. We must use prayer to push back the frontiers of darkness. We must use prayers to possess the land. We must use prayers to actually subdue principalities, must use prayer to subdue powers, but use prayer to subdue all the obstacles in the way of fulfilling the Great Commission, in the way of obeying the Great Commission. We must use prayers. After all, it was prayers that Ananias used in order to get Saul saved. It was prayers that Saul himself used in order to be saved. So prayer is key. Prayer is important. Prayer is key. That's why Jesus himself said, pray ye the Lord of the harvest, that we send laborers into his harvest. Because the harvest truly is plentiful. I just painted the picture to you that the 1040 window that has two-thirds of the world's population is the least rich with the gospel. That's enormous. That's a big challenge. And the only way you can subdue what no human power can subdue, what no political power can subdue, is through prayer, by generating spiritual power. And I know the Lord will hear us as we pray and as we intercede, as we cry unto him, he will answer our prayers in the mighty name of Jesus. We can also give logistics help. We can give assistance when we know that a missionary is passing by. We can offer them, give them hospitality. We can give them, we can give them comfort. We can give them a place to stay. And I know through doing that can be a lot of encouragement to those who are in the field. We can also offer re-entry assistance. There are people who have gone on mission field. When they come back, how do they settle? We can be of assistance in ensuring that their settlement back is each free and um, is, 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 is with ease. And the Lord will help us as we do that in the name of Jesus. Another man of God had looked at it another way and he said, there are five other ways by which we can actually reach the unreached, by which we can accelerate the coming of the king. And he started by saying the first thing is to give. We should model, as he put it, war time stewardship. 
by giving to missions to the extent that we live exactly the way a missionary will live. That's, that's, that's enormous. That whatever is extra that we have, we should give it to mission. I know somebody who's very close to me, he told me, he said, apart from what I give from my normal income, from my normal salary, I also ensure that anytime I have any extra income outside my normal income, 50% of it I give to mission. I know that in our church we encourage people to give to mission because the truth is the work of God needs resources. The Lord said in his word, he said, my cities through prosperity shall be spread abroad. God needs our resources in order to enlarge the kingdom. He needs our resources. Every step that is taken in the fulfillment of the command of the Great Commission costs money. Every step costs money. It costs money to print tracts. It costs money to travel. It costs money to be on air. It costs money. Every step taken towards the fulfillment of the Great Commission is expensive and has to be supported greatly by the grace of God. And I pray, thank God for the promise that the Lord has made. In Luke 6, 38, he said, Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaking together, and running over, shall men give to your bosom. So as you give towards the work of mission, I can assure you that you are going to have much more than hundredfold returns in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. He didn't only stop at admonishing us to give, he also encouraged us to groan. And by asking us to groan, what he simply saying is that we should pray. We should pray. There are a lot of grounds that has to be broken. Prayer has a lot of effect in the work of worldwide evangelism and missions. Prayer cannot be played down at all. I remember reading about Brother Andrew, the man who carries Bible across borders and in China in those days. And uh, when I read the book, we were told that one day Brother Andrew packed Bibles at the back of his car, at the boot of his car, there were Bibles. And in China then, Bibles are contrabands. You, you are not allowed to carry Bibles, but he carried Bibles. And as he carried Bibles to cross the border, he suddenly saw the customs men and the immigration people, and he didn't know what to do. So all he did was to pray. Very simple prayer. Say, Lord, when you were on earth, you made blind eyes to see. Please, for once, make seeing eyes to be blind. And with that prayer, that singular prayer, when he got to the checkpoint, they indeed opened his boots. And here they were looking at Bibles, yet they could not see it. That is the power of prayer. It was prayer that Paul was praying that made God to instruct Ananias to go to him and instruct him on what to do to get saved. So we must groan. We must groan for the 1014 window. We must groan for the unreached. We must groan for the unsaved. We must groan. We must pray all the time. We must raise intercessory teams. And I, and I know that as you pray, the Lord of the harvest, he will answer our prayers and send laborers into the harvest in the name of Jesus. We must join. We need to join. That's the third thing to do. We must join. We must sign up to local missions group. We can go on mission trip on vacation, 
can go on short-term mission trips. We can go like this, this conference that we are holding now. It's part of how we can encourage the fulfillment of the Great Commission by hearing about mission, getting challenged about what we need to do to hasten the return of the king. You can also enlist others and multiply mission teams. And I know that as we focus on these things, the God of the harvest himself is going to empower it, is going to energize it, is going to cause an outpouring of the Spirit. Because the only reason he gave us the power of the Holy Ghost is so that we can, we can fulfill the Great Commission. He said, you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me. So without, you know, without any doubt, the reason for releasing the power is so that we can be witnesses. We can fulfill the Great Commission and hasten the return of the King. As we make up our mind to do this, my prayer is that we will not only hasten the return of the King, that when the King comes, we shall go with him. That when the King will return, None of us will miss our reward in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. But the Great Commission, the command of worldwide evangelism and missions is a command. It's not an option. It's not a counsel. It is actually a command to be obeyed. And as we take steps, as we have outlined, to obey this very important command, I pray that the Lord God of heaven and earth himself will energize us, he will support us, it will encourage us and it will give us the expected end in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's bow down our heads to pray. Let's bow down our heads to pray. I want us to just thank God for committing into our hands this great mystery of the kingdom. Let's say, Father, we are grateful to you that we mortal men, you have decided to commit this great mystery of the kingdom into our hand. Father, we give you praise. We bless and we honor your name. We magnify you for counting us worthy to be, to be entrusted with the mystery of the kingdom. Father, accept our thanks and our praises in the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray for your people who have listened to this challenge of worldwide evangelism and missions. Particularly, the attention has been drawn to the 1040 window where we have two-thirds of the world's population. I pray that you will help us to take definite steps towards fulfilling the Great Commission and hasten the return of the King. Thank you, Father, because you have heard our prayers. For in Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Amen. Thank you. God bless you.